Veronica has her sword, Tom has his laser, and I have my mind. And a mind needs books and this podcast as a sword needs a whetstone if it's to keep its edge. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to pledge support and sharpen your mind. everyone, welcome to Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. Konnichiwa, Veronica. <laughs> I just returned from the land of the rising sun, and also Korea. And you're also drinking a fine suntory. I am, for a relaxing time. Make it suntory time. But you're, it's, you're drinking, is it whiskey? Japanese whiskey, which is some of my favorite. Ah, yes, yes it is. It's Suntory Old Whiskey. And I know that because the label says Suntory Old Whiskey. <laughs> That's a pretty <laughs> bottle. Where'd you get that from? This is a uh, special limited design bottle oh. that I got uh, at, a, at a little place called the Duty Free Lounge at Narita <laughs> Airport. <laughs> Nice. Well, did you have an amazing time? Your pictures and everything looked great. Oh, yeah. No, it was fantastic. Um, J- Japan is like live is like visiting the future of the 90s. It's it's like it's like you're not going back to the 90s, mm-hmm. but there are things that are like, oh, well, we have apps for that now, but it's kind of cool that you have an automatic thing that opens the taxi door and you know like uh, was that your first time in japan yeah yeah i don't think i knew that that's awesome oh yeah no they they if you try to open that taxi door sometimes they get a little annoyed no i was saying no i wasn't talking about the taxi door (laughs) i was gonna say you must have known that (laughs) i was for me i always think of as as japan as being like when especially when i'm in tokyo as being an alternate history, this this is this sounds very imperialistic somehow, and I'm sorry, I don't mean it to be that way. Uh, it sound it reminds me of like if 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 like like New York had like branched off into a different mm. like cooler sci-fi world. Yeah, 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 totally. It's like it's like it feels almost like bizarro New York, and this is coming from an American perspective, so obviously like right. You know, or but but someone from London could call it bizarro London, right? It could be bizarro London for too, sure, but, or bizarro and, France. They've got a freaking Eiffel Tower there. No, I don't know if I would call it bizarro Paris. Not quite that. <laughs> no, I don't know if I'd go there. I saw a French um, restaurant. They, no, the Japanese love French food. Yeah. That is something I learned in, in my many times there is that they, they hold French food in very high regard. But it sounds French like culture. you know what I mean, which is like they have the most amazing system for you. You just buy this little Suica card or you could buy a Pasmo. Mm-hmm. There's a couple others. And then it just not only gets you into the trains, but the they vending machines and, and you could pay at 7-Elevens with it. And I'm like, huh, that's kind of what we want to use our phones for and kind of can now. So it's a little old-fashioned, but it also works way better than anything that we have here in the United States. I, I know. I came back when I when I came back from to the states after my first visit to Japan. I was like, "Why do we not have these cards? Like, we don't have like RFID cards that do anything like this." And I was mad. Yeah. And I, and like, oh, security, blah blah blah. I don't ever. And they have well, lockers everywhere and yeah. vending machines everywhere. Vending, oh, dude, the vending machines. 
the I got addicted machines. to Boss Coffee because they were using Tommy Lee Jones to advertise. You can get hot coffee from a vending machine in a can. <laughs> like it doesn't. How are you doing that? It's amazing. It really is. Uh, and and it, yeah, it's like it. I. It, <laughs> When I say it's like the future from the 90s, I don't mean that as a slam. I just mean that as like, it's an like it's not the future of Silicon Valley. It's like its own future and it works. It works really well. Oh, it's such a great place. Yeah. No, I had a great Japan. time. And then Seoul, uh, Korea, <laughs> is all beauty products as far as I could tell because that was the only district that my wife... No, I'm just kidding. We went to a lot of different places, but we stayed right next to this area, which is ridiculous. It's about 10 blocks by 10 blocks, and each block repeats all the same beauty product stores. And I'm very disappointed because listeners do not know this, but I was in, invited to join the, uh, the the expedition to the for the Korea portion, and I was not able to attend, and I was very sad because Korean beauty products are my favorite thing in the world. Folks, and, oh, you need to visit Myondong then. Mm, 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 mm. Uh, regular listeners of the show may also notice that my voice is a little off. Um, I am suffering from a pretty bad head cold Don't, and chest you cold. Know, that, I, I think you should just forget that cover story. Uh, <laughs> Veronica had throat surgery to lower her voice to make it more radio friendly. Oh, are you saying I need to lower my voice to make it more radio friendly? No, absolutely Tom, not. I'm just, I'm, just saying, I'm just trying to say you had a, a compressor installed in your throat. That's yes. <laughs> You know, I'm actually going to um, be getting surgery uh, in my throat. Uh, oh, no, really? Very, very I didn't near know that. future. Yeah, you did not know that. Um, I'm getting snore surgery. Oh. So and, uh, there you go. So See? maybe maybe it will affect, I don't think it'll affect my voice. It's like an You're going to come procedure. back as Catherine Deneuve. They don't even like put you under full no, anesthesia, they really? just give you like a numbing stuff, which is terrifying to Ugh, me. Yeah, no, I, me too. And That's so, the stuff uh, of a Michael Crichton novel. So I have to go in for a for an appointment next week to t- to talk about it, and then we'll see how it goes. But anyway, we have spent a lot of time uh, in the pre-show <laughs> today. I am drinking water because I'm sick, so I'm not drinking whiskey, which I would rather have. Um, but I'm I'm happy you're back, back to regular your regularly scheduled sword and laser. Yay, me Yay. too. Yay, and uh, let's jump right into the quick burns. So Dharma Kirti kicks us off. Uh, she writes on August 25th on his blog, our Scott Baker announced with details forthcoming, it looks like we have a deal for the television rights to The Prince of Nothing. Dharma Curdy says, my favorite fantasy series might become a TV series. That is a, a refrain that is happening more often uh, than ever in history. For those interested in philosophy of the mind or cognitive science, Baker also announced the Journal of Consciousness Studies has accepted on alien philosophy for publication uh, sometime in early 2017. And he also says on the blog, um, there's not much I can say yet, except that the more books I sell, the greater the chance of seeing the series on screen. So it, it's, it seems like a, a, a deal, but not necessarily a done deal. So yeah, you got to support him. There's always that. Sometimes they'll option, but they'll mm-hmm. say, you know, we have to see a certain amount of book sales before we're really going to green light this. So it may be something like that, too. Mark writes that the Pew Pew Research Center <laughs> released their, uh, that's the uh, Pew Research Center. Well, the Center. Pew Research Center is pew. a well-known center of cats with lasers. Pew Pew released their, quote, book reading 2016 report this month. A note, their analysis is U.S. centric. They say 65% of Americans have read a print book in the last year, more than double the share that has read an ebook at 28%, and more than four times the share that has consumed book content via audiobook at 14%. Hmm. 
The share of ebook readers on tablets has more than tripled since 2011. And the number of readers on phones has more than doubled over that time, while the share reading on ebook reading devices has not changed. Americans read an average mean of 12 books per year, while the typical median American has read four books in the last 12 months. Each of these figures is largely unchanged since 2011. Nearly 4 in 10 Americans read print books exclusively, just 6% are digital-only book readers. That is fascinating stuff. I, I I look at this and I'm like, so 35% of Americans haven't read a book in the last year. But I yeah. guess that's print. That's just print. 65% have read a print book. So they the others may have exclusively read an audiobook or ebook. Uh, so it's more than 65% have read a book at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is a, a much bigger percentage than I thought. I've got I've got some insight though. Ooh, do tell. So the share of ebook has stayed flat mm-hmm. rather than grown. Mm-hmm. However, the number of ebook readers on tablets has tripled and the number on phones has doubled. Mm-hmm. What I think is happening is there was a jump in e-readers with the first Kindle and then a lot of people said, you know what? I'd rather just read a print book. A, a lot of people didn't. And some of you are in the audience who are like, no, I infinitely prefer an e-reader to a print book. But some people looked at it and said, too much trouble, don't want to charge. And there was a trough where some of that started to decline, but the pervasiveness of smartphones and tablets is now causing some more people to pick up ebooks that either never got into e-readers or dumped their e-readers. Mm-hmm. I predict we'll see a, a, this leveling off for a couple more years, maybe, and then a slow ascent of the percentage of e-readers as people find it's just so c- convenient to read on that six-inch smartphone that they all have now. Yeah, I think I think you're probably right. And then it is it, it is worth remembering that a lot of people just don't like reading books. Like it's not something they consider enjoyable. And that's still a, a pretty big part of the population. You know, maybe they read articles online or they just don't enjoy reading in general. Yeah. Um, there's yeah, that's still that's still a thing. Read a book. It's it's hard for us to imagine because it's such a big part of our lives. And it's oh, not yeah. it's not a knock on those people, but it's just not an activity they particularly enjoy. Now, as you all know, it was a very sad year uh, as Sword and Laser did not attend Dragon Con for the first time in a long time. Mm-hmm. We missed you all. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Dragon Awards were held, and that's even sadder because none of the Sword and Laser books won. <laughs> uh, the winners for Best Science Fiction Novel was Some Wither, A Tale of Unwithering Realm by John C. Wright. Best Fantasy Novel was Son of the Black Sword by Larry Correa. <laughs> Best Young Adult Middle Grade Novel was The Shepherd's Crown by Terry Pratchett. Best Military Sci-Fi or Fantasy Hell's Foundation Quiver by David Weber. And Best Alt History was League of Dragons by Naomi Novik. Best Apocalyptic Control-Alt-Revolt by Nick Cole. And Best Horror Novel Soul Dancer by Brian Niemeyer. There's also comic books and graphic novels and TV series. And uh, TV series and movie, Game of Thrones and the Martian. Pretty Pretty, pretty easy. Pretty much what I would have guessed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Fallout 4 won for best science fiction fantasy or uh, f- fiction, science fiction or fantasy PC or console game. And Fallout Shelter won mobile. <laughs> kind of surprised to see that Witcher 3 wasn't even nominated for that. Hmm. That's bananas. Hmm. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Yeah, big time. Hmm. Anyway, 
Um, congrats to all the winners. I'm, I'm sad that none of our sword and laser people won, but it's it's not because of quality. That's for sure. They did, well, did kick-ass jobs. If anything will make you feel better, Mark's post probably will. Omni just published an article titled Most Underrated Sci-Fi Authors. So if you don't win awards, just consider yourself one of the most underrated, amazing sci-fi or fantasy author. Uh, several are on the Sword and Laser bookshelf, points out Mark. He says, I don't agree that all these authors are that underrated, but it's a fine group of classic science fiction creators plus book recommendations. Photos with the article are terrific. In particular, we get to see Stanislav Lem's expression when he heard about Veronica's struggles with memoirs found in a bathtub. I'm literally dragging this photo onto my desktop right now to use as the album art for the episode so i just want you everyone to know that it is amazing and i can't wait for you to see the look on his face if you haven't seen it yet uh it's sort of a kind of a combination of surprise and yeah whatever then so you it's didn't little, like it there's a little disappointment there yeah, a little there's disappointment a little, little not caring there's some there's some sadness in his eyes a yeah, little bit um yeah. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited. Octavia Butler's on here. Joe Haldeman, uh, Lee Brackett, um, a lot of great people. Lamp, John of Warner, yeah. <laughs> um, so Ursula yeah, Le Guin Ursula. is Ooh, on here. Don't I, say Ursula Le Guin is uh, underrated. That's I, that's that's a pretty big stretch. I think, and and there was a there was a little bit of conversation on the Quick Burns thing. Which watch out, you'll get in trouble having conversations on the Quick Burns thread. It's just supposed to be post, uh, but it was a good oh. conversation because it was people saying. I think they meant underrated by the wider populace, whereas we who are fans of the genre obviously know these people. Ursula Le Guin is not a household name in the way that Isaac Asimov or really? Arthur C. Clarke okay. is. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think maybe my experience has just been colored by many years of, of sword and lasering. Yeah, uh, yeah. And 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 Octavia Butler, Ursula K. Le Guin, uh, Stanislav Lem, Joe Haldeman, they should be household names. That's kind of the mm-hmm. point of the article. Yeah, totally. Uh, Misty writes that Audible channels are available for Amazon Prime subscribers. She says, looks like most of the original content isn't going to become available till next year, but there is some classic sci-fi stuff available. Um, if you click over to the TechCrunch article, you can learn about how to access some of these things. There was actually a whole nother thread over in the in the general forum about this as well, with people uh, talking about some good stuff that they've they've picked up. I, I noticed this in in the app recently, um, and I was I was going to check out some of the some of the stuff that was already on there in in the channels. Um, it, it looks interesting. Yeah, uh, dear Audible, pick us up. You can put us in there. We would be perfectly happy with that. Give that would it, be send us an email. Amazing. Um, but uh, there's also in addition to things like podcasts, there is a, a playlist of short stories. Uh, these are free short stories from the likes of Kurt Vonnegut, Philip K. Dick, uh, etc. So there's there's some cool fiction in here as well. Yeah, that's what I. That's actually what I had grabbed was one of the short stories. Um, and start listening to that. Pretty neat stuff. All right. Well, now it is time for Bear Your Sword, which is all feedback from the audience. I have a question for you, Veronica. Yes, my friend. uh, It's actually Basil's question. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basil says, I'd like to stay up to date with what's happening in the genre fiction world, including books, comics, movies, and TV. Hit me with your best source, full disclosure. I currently follow io9, but would love an alternative that's a little less <laughs> spammy clickbaity. I don't find io9 clickbaity. I guess they they do the headline thing that tries to draw you in like all blogs, but I don't find them clickbaity like BuzzFeed or or, or uh, what is the Upworthy 
or anything like that. I don't that. either. No, I think actually io9 is probably one yeah. of my best sources. Me I, too. I mean, it's but, a few websites that I actually like will type in the URL and go visit like when I want something to Just read. to see, yeah. Yeah. That said, uh, I think what Basil's trying to say is I already follow all <laughs> io9. Yes. So what else is out there? And we got some great suggestions. Um, a lot of you suggested us, which thank you. That is very kind. <laughs> a little of bit you. of a selection bias there, I feel, I think but so. that's it. Like, cool. No, yeah. it's good. But but David said that he likes to check out Tor.com, which does have an excellent blog, um, Barnes and Noble Sci-Fi and Fantasy blog, and Wartzone, of course, another another site that you'll hear a lot about on Sword and Laser. Um, David also says he follows various author blogs like John Scalzi and Rachel Newmeyer, um, although they're not newsy in the way you might want, um, and also you can typically get. News from The Verge or Ars Technica of Vulture.com and AV Club from The Onion will do TV show recaps. Um, and then just, yeah, David goes on to say just generally following people on Twitter who, who, who are into this stuff and, and tweet out news links. Yeah, I, I put in a vote for Scalzi there as well because he actually does get newsy on the important things. So one of the ways I always know the Hugos have opened up for voting is Scalzi. Uh, if there's a controversy in mm-hmm. the sci-fi world, he's going to weigh in on it. Mm-hmm. They'll weigh in on other controversies outside the sci-fi world <laughs> sometimes too. Uh, but yeah, I, I feel like Scalzi's a really good one yeah. uh, to put then- in there. I also follow Patrick Rothfuss's blog as well. Yeah. Um, uh, Louis says for comic book news, um, he uses uh, CBR.com, hmm. although he, he does caveat this with uh, CBR has been getting annoying lately with their full page ads. Mm. Um, he says ComicsAlliance.com and Newsarama.com are also good. Rocketstackcrank.com is recommended by Stephen. I just wanted to make sure I didn't screw up and say something really wrong. There. <laughs> um, that, that's a dangerous URL. Uh, to, to try to read straight out of the address bar. But, well, cool. Uh, some, some great suggestions. Rocket Stack Rank. Rocket yep. Stack Rank? Yep. Rocket Stack Rank. Check stack rank. it out. Thanks for the suggestions. We also have a thread from Brad who's looking for horror suggestions. Um, uh, because of my personal bias, we don't tend to cover a lot of horror. Um, the closest thing I, I've read to the horror genre recently is is our own An Unattractive Vampire, which is phenomenal, by the way. Loved the audiobook. It's so great, you and guys. And not gory, right? It's not gory. It's just got, it's, it's so fun and smart and witty. I'm sorry, I'm, I could go on. Um, but... Brad says, so my month of horror is coming up in which I read exclusively horror books and comics and watch a bunch of horror movies and play some horror video games for the month of October. I'm having a hard time coming up with some good horror books to read as it doesn't seem like a particularly huge genre. Could you guys give me some recommendations for good horror books to be reading or listening to? I made a shelf for most of the horror books I've read, so if you guys have an idea of what I've already read and haven't, wait, so you guys have an idea of what I've already read and haven't read, if that helps. Um, yeah, so like I said, I don't I don't read a ton of horror. I probably read more horror when I was a kid, frankly. I read a lot of Stephen King when I was young, um, but that's that's kind of uh, where I stopped. But yeah, a lot of people recommending on uh, Nikki Two Thumbs said uh, Weave World by Clive Barker. Uh, John Taloni uh, says perhaps some horror light from Ray Bradbury, like Something Wicked This Way Comes, or the collection of shorts Long After Midnight. Yeah, um, we have stayed away from horror because I don't think either one of us read it. So apologies if if we're not delivering um, better recommendations there. But it's sword and laser, not sword and laser and axe for a reason. 
<laughs> and Sandy also says um, she just cross-referenced her horror shelf uh, with Brad's. And um, she says the girl with all the gifts, which actually, you know, that was a, a, a big one on Goodreads this year. So I think that's that's probably a pretty great pick. And sort of a, there, there's a, and what's cool is we, there's a lot of things that kind of straddle the genres, mm-hmm. especially mm-hmm. with horror, uh, into fantasy or sci-fi. So. Yeah, she goes on to say The Good House, uh, Dracula, the Audio Studios edition is amazing, The Omen, Rosemary's Baby, a classic, and a Night Film. I have been reading Joe Hill's The Fireman. I don't know that you would consider that horror, even if he is Stephen King's son. Uh, I don't know what you would consider it. It's kind of post-apocalyptic, but I really am enjoying it. I think it's a great book. Uh, so I have if, that somewhere, I think. Do you? It, it's worth a read. Uh, it's, you know, the rough version is that there is a plague that causes people to spontaneously combust <gasps> and the, you know, the world is starting to burn. So it's the zombie apocalypse kind of premise, but instead of zombies, it's people exploding and <laughs> catching things on fire. Jeez. So large parts of the world are burning. Uh, and the uh, main character at the beginning is a nurse who's working in a hospital, treating these people and trying not to get infected. And then, of course, you know, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, she gets infected. But uh, you kind of see that coming because she's the main character, right? And mm-hmm. it's all about how she deals with it in the world that's created. And there's prejudice against people who get what's called dragon scale because you get this little dragon looking etching on your skin when you get the disease, but before you catch on fire and there's rumors about people who are able to exist with it without catching on fire. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's really good. We also have a thread um, from Silvana called novellas novelettes uh, from slow writers Stephen made a very interesting comment in another thread in which he argued that it would be great if slow writers e- writers slow writers slow writer <laughs> take it easy write more stuff George write faster <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway uh, e.g. George R. R. Martin issue more novellas or novelettes etc between uh, the main series for character backstories etc um, I'm curious now on how novellas novelettes could actually affect your long wait for the main novels are they effective to hold off slash lower slash stabilize fans demand slash nag for the next books using George R. 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 Martin as an example he did issue two novellas and an encyclopedia before The Winds of Winter, and apparently those have not successfully quenched most people's thirsts. I don't know any other slow writers than Martin, uh, but I actually don't mind if they don't issue anything. And if they have some, great. If not, then I'll just move on to another book. Lord knows I have too many unread ones. I don't really like this idea because... I feel like if they're doing the novellas, then they aren't doing the main work. At the same time, I know that a writer likes to write multiple things at once sometimes. And so mm-hmm. if this is going to happen anyway, where it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to continue to work on the main work, but I also have these other ideas I play with, then putting them out partway through seems natural to me and that's fine. Uh, John brought up the example that I would have brought up myself, which is Patrick Rothfuss's The Slow Regard of Silent Things. I think all of us are eagerly anticipating uh, mm-hmm. the third novel in the Kingkiller Chronicles, but... Uh, the slow regard of silent things was a very welcome addition to that universe and taking one of the most uh, beloved characters and fleshing her out and letting us know a little more about her getting to spend a little more time with Quoth. I absolutely enjoyed it. And I also don't feel like this in any way impacted the work on the third book. So in that case, yeah, I think it's fine. 
Yeah, I think it um it just it it, it depends. I I kind of go with with uh, Silvana's final note, which is I it doesn't really bother me that much because I do have so much in my to read list. So I'm never feeling like I I don't have anything to read. Yeah. Sometimes same here. I do I do like to just read a whole series in one go, but you know it's it's not going to stop me from starting something knowing that the last book isn't out yet. Though I have heard that from many people that they will not start a series unless it is complete. Sure. Uh, finally, Peter wrote in and said, I'm looking for ways to promote our convention and I was hoping you might be able to help me. HonorCon is a military science fiction and fantasy convention which focuses mainly on authors and books in that genre. This year, in addition to David Weber, which, come on, I mean, how can you have HonorCon without having David Weber? Uh, they will also have Claudia Christian as a guest of honor. We says we have numerous panels dealing with publishing, writing, and just about everything else a good science fiction convention requires. We have a costume contest, lots of fan panels, but what we really need is more people to come and have fun at our convention. Toward that end, I'm asking for your help. So, Check out HonorCon, yeah. folks. It's in Raleigh, North Carolina. And uh, Chuck Gannon's going to be there. Uh, oh, cool. Of the show, Chuck Gannon. And I just can't believe Mike Cole's not going to be there. Oh, yeah. You guys, if you right haven't gotten in touch, yeah, you should absolutely try to see if you can get Mike. Uh, maybe they have. Maybe he just scheduled and work out or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but uh, yeah, it does seem like the right kind of thing. Totally. Um, oh, I would like to see the, the, gosh, we just read some great, uh, great, um, for vaginal fantasy, we've read a, a fun kind of we've read a couple actually a couple military ish uh, romance sci fi stories. Um, there's a lot of great authors out there writing in that space. Yeah, so check it out. August, oh, I'm sorry, October 28th through the 30th in Raleigh, North Carolina at honorcon.org. Awesome. All right. Well, Tom, uh, this was your book pick this month, so I guess we're going to kick off a fire upon the deep. Um, so we know it's kind of like mid-month now, but we didn't really have a kickoff episode because Tom was away. Um, so no no pressure, guys. You don't have to be done. You don't have to be like really far through it. It's it's cool. I'm still in the beginning. Uh, but Tom, tell us about why you picked this book and, okay, and what's yeah. about it. We're going to do non-spoilery kickoff, mm-hmm. non-spoilery to, begin, kickoff. to begin with, uh, but then... <laughs> And and we, and we did kind of the basics of the kickoff uh, last time, just just not very um, detailed. But I w- would like to get a little spoilery, and I will warn you at the point when I'm mm. I'm wanting to do that, and and spoilery from very early in the book too. Okay, it's not spoilery. Okay, so I'm probably past that point. I am going to assume you're past that point, okay. and I will be able to tell very quickly if I am wrong about that. Um, without spoiling you too much. So, okay. uh, but non-spoilery right now, uh, Werner, uh, and I, I, Vin, Vinji, Vin, Vinji, oh, right? Someone emailed us actually, or someone yeah. commented on the thread. It's Vinge like hinge. Yeah. No, no. I've been told otherwise. Shoot. All right. Look, you, you talk about it. You know I'll what we're going to do? Uh, we're just going to call him Werner. Um, because here's the thing it's not that we don't know how to pronounce his name both of us have been told multiple times we talked about his wife Joan previously it just won't stick in our heads oh no okay okay from the man himself Tassie Dave says from the man himself quote how do you pronounce your last name he says I pronounce it as rhyming with the word stingy Vingy it's what I just said then so it's Vingy so I must have in my brain I saw this comment I'm like I'm just going to say it rhymes with the thing that I think his name sounds like, which is Hinge. <laughs> I just like rewrote that whole comment. Vinji is stingy. Not that he really is, but that'll help you remember it. Okay. okay. 
uh, onward into uh, Werner. Now, some of this may be a little bit repetition from last time, but Hugo Award-winning book, uh, as we mentioned, shared the Hugo Award uh, for 1992 with Doomsday Book by Connie Wills and Vinji himself, a multiple Hugo Award winner. Fire Upon the Deep is set in the far future when space has been divided into regions of thought. Uh, So when you go closer to the core, uh, you're talking about more sophisticated thought uh, and more super intelligent beings. In fact, entities that aren't even uh, animal based. They're not even, I mean, humans are the smallest percentage of all of this. There's tons of aliens and there's also super intelligent entities that are sort of trans species. The Tyne race is introduced as an example of a gestalt sentient species, a race that is only sentient in a grouping of individually non-sentient members. Uh, that's similar to the Cord race in Greg Bear's Anvil of the Stars. And it's a ranging book. It's going to start in a place within a machine intelligence uh, but it's going to range from primitive worlds to non-primitive worlds to uh, people because of relativity who have lived thousands of years, people who, because of other reasons, uh, were once on primitive worlds and are now sophisticated and living thousands of world years, and also moving from those more simple parts of the universe that we as humans can understand uh, and receiving emissaries and even traveling into these super intelligent areas. Yeah, that's um, I, I, I some of the four members found this to be a little hard to follow, I think. Um, but I and I did too at first, but it's starting to sink in for me, understanding how the different areas of space are organized. Yeah, and how they work differently. And pe- perhaps it will be more explained the further in I get. Um, but it's starting to crystallize a little bit for me. Yeah, because it, it kicks off as a very standard space story. And you know that there are super intelligent entities. So the things that happen right off make perfect sense. You, and I think that lures you into letting your guard down a little like, oh, OK, I think I know where this is going. And then you immediately shift to an entirely different world with an entirely different basis that at first you don't really understand what's going on, or at least mm-hmm. I didn't. And then when you do, it's the coolest thing ever. And that's the okay. part I want to get spoilery yeah, about. No, I don't know that then if it's the coolest thing ever, because I, I don't know if I've hit the coolest thing ever yet. Okay. So before we get spoilery, is there anything else uh, that we want to talk about? Um, um, okay. Because I'm going to throw the spoiler flag otherwise. Oh, but you're going to spoil it for me. No, okay. no, no. I won't. Okay. I okay. promise I won't. I'm okay. gonna, but I'm going to find out. And to find out, I'm going to have to spoil a little bit of the early part. Okay. Okay. So you are you you start with the we're in spoiler territory now. Clear, clear, mm-hmm. everyone clear. Okay. okay. So you start with the super intelligent machine mm-hmm. that is uh, that is trying to stop the people from leaving and wants to infect yeah. the ship. It, right. It's pissed. Yep. And then so you know there's the one family that gets away. Right. There's right. two ships that tried to leave. One of them got away. The other did not. And seems. how far did you follow that family? That family, I'm done with their first part of their story. So I am off of the planet of the of the Wolfie. Wolfie's okay, it's the Wolfies. That's the Wolfies, which I think is the coolest thing ever. Oh, yeah. Where okay. at first... You're you're like, oh, it's one, it's Peregrine, and it's this other guy, mm-hmm. and then 
I just love how he just slowly reveals like, oh, and those people, they're a pack of four or five dogs. Yeah, they're like at minimum like <laughs> like four dogs yeah. or three dogs. And I and and, and this dogs is dogs with long necks. And this is one of the things that I think is confusing to some people is he didn't come out and say the this race was made up of packs of four or five dogs. He right. just introduced the characters and then slowly revealed like one of the members. I'm like one of the members of Peregrine. Pe- Peregrine's a person. It's like oh, but he's only a person. When but he, he also has another name. Yeah, it's Peregrine Quick Rucksack. Quick Rucksack or whatever. <laughs> and and it's like his combo. Quick all those. Rum. All those. The individual doggy parts all have their own name. Yeah. And then when combined, like some kind of transformer, they become a different name. They combo their name. But yeah. then the, 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 like the sentience of that creature, that overarching creature, has its own personality. That This is the thing where I get a little lost with this. Because it feels like there's... like. When they dis- when they have the true death, that is when the consciousness of the pack dies. Completely. Yeah, and is lost and, and that can't be recovered. Is gone. Yeah, but so are there? Um, so um, yeah, verbalizing this is very difficult. All right, so take a like, moment. Take a moment. Okay. Yeah. So there's like a consciousness that spreads throughout the pack. But where does that come from? What is the starting point of that consciousness? Is it one one doggy mind that like elevates itself above? It's just, is it just more powerful? And so when it starts to combine, it overtakes the consciousness of the other members. Okay, and yeah. And becomes the And I, I think we leader. might learn more about it later. And that this is one of the things that is confusing about this book is that you have so many different worlds and you shift, like you shift from dog world to a planet where there's one person who's the only human yeah, and is and like, like talks to like basically house plants. Yeah. Like, and this is, yeah. Talking to house plant is super, super advanced where they're like, Oh, well the entity, the super entity came in from the intelligence side. So it's a, it's a huge shift from place to place, mm-hmm. but I imagine we're going to go back there. Right. And I think we'll find out more. My guess is when they talk about the humming and there's mm-hmm. a couple of parts where they say the humans were thinking and 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 you know, like, well, I can't hear humans think. The humans are talking. So I think mm-hmm. the person. If I think what we're supposed to take from it is that the personality of the pack emerges from the out loud thinking and all that humming that happens between them that uh, the young boy hears is how they exchange their thoughts. Well, yeah, there's definitely like there's a high pitched sound that they follow. Yeah, yeah. Like they talk on different frequencies. Yep. And so I wonder if that's like if they get in sync, like almost like a tuning fork. Right. Like they like they match their vibrations and that's what kind of combines them. And so when there's so many of them, like in the battle scene, it's just a cacophony because they can't and they they lose. They separate and they have a very hard time putting themselves back together again because there's so much external noise and vibration and frequency happening that they can't hear themselves. They can't hear themselves think. They can't hear themselves think. Oh man, Tom, that's good. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. It's a yeah. it's such a great invention, and and the way I the way I was imagining it was, okay, you have different parts of your brain. They're not always talking to each other, mm-hmm. but when you think, they're zapping little messages to each other, and and so what's happening is there's this humming is is the equivalent of neurons connecting. 
and allowing right. this emergent personality to be created out of the individual minds of the puppies. Right. Oh, so cute. I know, right? But also oh. murdery, so... Well, yeah. I, I love the part where they're like, the humans uh, had a mouth that wouldn't be good for picking up anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so I'm... I'm. It took... It was a slow burn for me. I had some trouble with the first chapter, um, just like digging into what was going on. And mm-hmm. then... And now I don't. Now I'm I'm into it and I'm yeah. enjoying it. And, and the so. perspective shifts are pretty huge. Uh, yeah. And I imagine there's only so many worlds he can he can throw at you. And at some point you'll still be like, okay, we're finally going back only to worlds I've visited before. So I'm starting to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. And and like all stories, those worlds will converge towards a climax and denouement. There you go. <laughs> One would expect. And that's how writing works. <laughs> That's storytelling in a nutshell, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I'm excited about this one. People seem, uh, uh, there's a lot, already a ton of good conversations uh, that I'm avoiding for spoiler purposes. Yeah, same um, here. <laughs> but if you're further along, definitely check those out over on Goodreads. All right. Well, I think that about wraps up this episode of Sword and Laser, guys. Um, happy to be back on our regular schedule. Welcome home, Tom. Thank um, you. Good to be back glad you had a good safe trip and uh, as you guys know our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons uh, thank you so much to all the amazing patrons who back our show um, if you want to support us you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser a little goes a very long way you can also support the show by buying books through our amazon links you can find those links to books we talked about and just some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks or just look for the amazon banner on the side of the site as always, get in touch with us. Feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com. And you can call and leave us a voicemail at 4157-SWORD-6. You know, someone did leave a voicemail and I forgot to listen to it. So I will listen to it and put it in the next show. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.